I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. And joining me today is Tamara Rosier, Ph.D., Dr. Rosier. Her new book is Your Brain's Not Broken, Strategies for Navigating Your Emotions and Life with ADHD. When someone has a DHD, their brain is legitimately wired differently and focuses on different things than someone would expect them to do. This difference in circuitry is not somehow wrong, incomplete, lazy, or even shameful. However, it does present those diagnosed with ADHD with significant challenges around typical things that others do with ease, time management, organization skills, forgetfulness, Trouble completing tasks, mood swings, and relationship problems are among the chief hurdles they jump through daily. Dr. Tamara Rosier applies her years of coaching others to show those with this different wiring how ADHD affects every aspect of someone's life so that they can finally understand why they think, feel, and act the way they do. She's the founder of the ADHD. D Center of West Michigan, president of the ADHD Coaches Organization, and is a popular conference and keynote speaker. Welcome to the show. Uh, Tamara, nice to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. Okay, so well, conf- I guess what comes up is, you know, as I was giving the intro, uh, reading the intro, um, conforming to the norm, whatever that norm is. Is this what's <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So it, let, let's start with that. What does that mean in relationship to those who have ADHD? You know, um, ADHD is, I, it, it's a serious drawback in the modern world. And something I say to my clients quite often, you know, if you lived about 300 years ago, you'd be fine. It's just that we're trying to live in a modern world that relies on planning, scheduling, remembering where you parked your car at a large grocery store. And all those things are really, it places so many demands on the part of our brain that isn't functioning well. When you talk about that part of the brain, let's, first of all, this is an acronym and not everybody knows what the acronym stands for. So ADHD, adult. Is yep. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's you can... actually attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And the really sad thing about this is it's not really named appropriately. Um, you know, I, I, I do think in about five years there's going to be a serious push um, to rename it. We, those of us with ADHD, don't have an attention deficit. It's almost like we have too much attention disease. In other words, my brain. Uh, because I have ADHD, um, doesn't use the prefrontal cortex. So I'm going to use some nerdy language just for a quick second, but I promise I won't stay there. Okay. Okay. Um, if your if your listeners tap on their on their forehead, that is their prefrontal cortex, and this is a wonderfully modern amenity that directs our attention, directs our emotions. Uh, short-term memory is housed there, uh, risk analysis, all that is housed there. It's wonderful for modern living, except the problem, as you may have already guessed, is those of us with ADHD have limited access to our prefrontal cortex. Um, and so the more access we can get to the prefrontal cortex, the more we can actually uh, resolve a lot of those exec- executive functions. Can I ask so you, is this something that in the evolutionary process 
that you didn't evolve. <laughs> I know. I, I, I mean, <laughs> or, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm, la- I'm laughing, but uh, th- there are some theories being kicked around that we're stuck in between two brains. Um, as you kind of noted, humans went through different prototypes of brains, and there yeah. is a brain that doesn't really have a um, large, it's a very large brain but it doesn't have a prefrontal cortex. Um, I'm not saying I, I know a lot about this theory, but the theory is um, this big, previous big brain um, actually died out in favor of the more modern brain because it just took too much energy to run. So I'm not totally so, off base. <laughs> or I could not be off base, right? Well, but Okay, but now we, we're, it's fast forward to 2022. Yep. And, That's hard to know. <laughs> yeah. And how and do... And we have these brains. Yeah. yeah. These are the brains that we have. And what do you do mm-hmm. and how do you mitigate all of the things actually that I described in the beginning in the in- intro, which make it really difficult when the prefrontal cortex isn't... Is it focusing? The word focusing comes out. It's difficult to focus. I mean, obviously... Um, I mean, you have a PhD, highly intelligent, all of those cognitive uh, abilities, but there's, it's more difficult for you to focus. I mean, getting a PhD is not an easy thing to do. And you did it having ADHD. So talk to us about, I mean, your experience in being able to do that. Yeah. So um, at the time when I was getting my PhD, I didn't really understand how ADHD impacts me. And so just using myself as a case study, um, yep. what, what those of us do with little access to the prefrontal cortex. Now, remember that prefrontal cortex right behind your forehead, and it, it has the just do it button. And so for people without ADHD, they look at us go, well, what, why don't you just do this? And those of us with ADHD are like method actors walking around going, but what's my motivation? And so what happens is we use a different part of our brain. We rely on the limbic center a little bit more. And the limbic center, again, I'm just going to nerd out just for a quick second. Okay. It's right around, um, if your listeners put their hand kind of over their ear, it's kind of in that general area. And that is in charge of keeping us safe. And so we rely on fight, flight, or freeze to kind of judge with whether we should take an action. And then that also is connected with our emotional areas. So, you know, younger version of Tamara is doing her PhD. She convinces herself that this is a fight or flight situation. And unless she finishes this dissertation in nine months, which is pretty quick for um, a dissertation, um, bad things are going to happen. And so I used all these kind of revved up emotions, anxiety mixed with, oh, a great deal of self-loathing, throw in some imposter syndrome. And that is how I healed myself through my PhD process. Um, It's not glamorous. Um, And I wrote this whole book explaining to people the emotional side of having ADHD. People are so focused on the executive function side the, the part that, you know, we can't plan our way out of a paper bag, which is true for m- many of us. But the truth is we're running on these emotions and it, it's exhausting. So you're using up so much energy. 
as you oh, say, so it, much. yeah, and that that's it's exhausting and tiring, and it's probably a whole snowball effect. But you're t- okay. So let's talk about the emotional part of it. I mean, that's accomplishing. Obviously, you got your PhD. Did you write your dissertation in nine months? I I don't know too many people who can do that, but uh, pretty good. The emotional. I didn't say it was a great dissertation, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So. Uh, but it was a done dissertation okay you finished it Uh, emotionally relationships let's start with relationships and maybe this gets into let's say as a parent you may have a child who it will be diagnosed with adhd um and how can a parent recognize that and well maybe let's start with that with diagnosis and and what can you do to help someone in the beginning and not wait till all these maybe catastrophic things start begin to happen because you don't Mm -hmm. even know that you are that you have can I say suffering from it or what's the word I should be using yeah well there's two camps there's some people who say hey my ADHD is a gift um and there's others of us say wow it's the crappiest gift that I've ever been given um, I tend to see ADHD a little bit more as a hindrance um, and something I need to hack in order to live successfully. Other people um, are like, no, 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 it makes me very creative and fun. And so there's two, can- there's two kinds of ways to look at it. Um, I'm not saying either is right or wrong. It's just two. Um, so if a parent is wondering if their child has ADHD, uh, I would love for the parent to start to question where might first, where might this ADHD have come from? Because um, if this is a biological parent, there's a 50% chance that they have, if they have ADHD, there's a 50% chance their child will have ADHD. In other words, I see ADHD kids and I usually end up treating also the entire family. Um, and so, so are we talking about see, genetics? Are we talking, is this, this has to do with your DNA, with genetics? It really does, yes. Yes. Um, and so it, it's very important for us to um, understand what we're seeing. So usually uh, with children, um, I start to see the emotional tendency of ADHD first. Uh, meaning a lot of kids will go, oh, I just can't do this. I'm dumb. Or you'll notice that they really can't. They'll go in the bathroom to brush your teeth, and they'll forget why they're there. Um, you know, usually parents will start to see little traits like that. Many times teachers will pick up um, ADHD in the classroom, but parents can also start to see it at home. Um, a lot of kids, Uh, really do start with the emotional, um, either anxiety, self-loathing, anger. You start to see those um, emotional outbursts. And here's where I want to say, if you have a child with ADHD, they're running about two to three years behind their peers. And if if you have listeners going, wow, you know, my, my kid just seems to get along better with his younger brother's friends. That could also be an indicator of ADHD. So those are very specific symptoms, obviously, and ones that should not be too difficult for parents to identify. At what point do they need to seek help? Uh, Yeah. Um, 
this is this is a hot topic in uh, the field of ADHD. Uh, Russell Barkley um, has found in his research that the earlier the treatment using a stimulant, um, there, it has a neuroprotective uh, effect. What that means is it does something to help the brain develop better. And so... Um, I personally uh, would say as soon as I see it affecting the child's um, emotional development, meaning if they're starting to go, oh, I'm just stupid, I can't do this, that's when I would really seek diagnosis and treatment. Um, usually by the time I see a child, I'm working with an eight-year-old later this week, um, she's just convinced that she's dumb. And she's obviously pretty smart to be convinced that she's dumb because eight-year-olds usually don't think like that. Yeah. Um, it's just ADHD folks are constantly feeling behind. And she said to me, why don't I under- understand when recess is going to happen? Like, why can't I, she was saying, why can't I predict it? In other words. So she's al- always kind of feeling overwhelmed. Um, she's unable to predict what's happening. Um, and she has poor follow through. So, in other words, um, there's I, a, a high frustration level. I mean, constantly being frustrated, exactly. it sounds like, because she can't do those kinds of yeah. things. So, in terms, because I know you talk about this in the uh, the context, the family context, what can uh, parents do, or with adult ADHD as well, in a family context, how can they be nurturing and create a nurturing environment for those who have ADHD? That's actually the topic of my next book. Oh, okay. And so I'm writing. Yeah, I, I just signed the contract last week. Uh, so this is this is actually a very important thing because ADHD is very sensitive to its environment. Remember, I joked with my clients that if they had lived 300 years ago, they'd be fine. Yeah. It's just it's the modern environment that puts pressure on us, and that stress um, makes it difficult for us. So. First of all, the parents, I just beg them to remember, your children love you, and whether or not they say it, they really respect you, and they're not trying to make you angry. Um, A lot of times, people will assume that ADHD people, because of our dumb mistakes, that we don't care, we're lazy, or we're not showing respect. And so please don't make... Um, ADHD symptoms into a character trait. Um, Then, um, just like if you had a child who was in a wheelchair, you would build a ramp to your house, um, make it an ADHD-friendly home where everyone can thrive. So we have ways of doing things to hack our schedules so that everyone can get out of the house on time without yelling or people crying throwing things. Yeah. That's a great analogy, a child in a wheelchair. It's, yeah, that's that's an excellent analogy. I, okay, another question would be, what about in terms of the science? Can you actually now, if you have a CAT scan, say, of your brain, can you see any anomalies or any differences in the two brains of one who isn't diagnosed with ADHD and one who is? Holy cow, you really can. And um, and, you know, if we did have the technology, everyone could be diagnosed this way. Unfortunately, uh, people can't be diagnosed this way, but the brain scans are actually quite different. 
So in just basic um, kind of fMRI, you know, with the, the color, um, you'll see more darkened space in the prefrontal cortex of an ADHD person. Um, but in later scans where they can actually show um, several places lit up, and um, if you've ever seen these scans, uh, it's a scan of a brain with um, dots and lines all over it, and it, it's kind of tracking um, the activity within the brain. And in these scans, and this is really sad research, um, those of us with ADHD actually have fewer dots and fewer lines. And you know what that means? We're doing more with less. And so it is really, uh, we can see ADHD. Um, there was a, there's a point in my research or in my, um, writing of the first book where I just had to put a chapter down and walk away from it because I was writing how, um, about the research where how bad people are with ADHD, um, how bad we are at predicting outcomes. And like, we're bad. And you can see this in brain scans. And it's, it's, it's a sad truth. Now, the upside of all this, before I, your listeners are like, whoa, this is really, you know, depressing. Depressing. <laughs> yeah. You know, think about it. Think about how many people there are who are successful with ADHD. And I, I'd love to just start to consider them heroes. And I talk about this with, um, especially the students I work with, but with, you know, the doctors I work with, the lawyers I work with. And they're like, wow, my life just feels so heavy and hard. And I remind them, you're doing more with less, which means you're more tired. It's taking more energy. But you're actually, you know, doing incredibly well in your field. And by the way, I tend to see those doctors and lawyers not because they're not excellent at their job, because they're, they tend to be wonderful at whatever career they've chosen. It's the dumb things that trip them up. Um, like it uh, with but maybe cognitive. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking maybe cognitively, they're smarter. Maybe people with ADHD actually, intelligence-wise, are smarter. Maybe they have this well, deficit. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes yeah, so. Maybe I that's love- evolved because they've had to be smarter <laughs> to be able to cope. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's my theory. Um, so I I love this observation. So IQ and ADHD are two constructs that are unrelated. But if you want to look smart in the world, you've got to be um, twice as smart, not literally, but you have to be smarter just to look average. And, and I think to your point, um, many of the people I'm working with, they are smarter than average. It's just they look average because they don't turn in their sales reports on time. And in that, those types of things end up crushing my clients. What kind of success do you have as a therapist with those clients? Well, just to be clear, um, I'm an ADHD coach, not a therapist. Um, And the reason that's important is, you know, licensing and all that. Yeah. Um, As a coach, uh, ADHD coaching is highly effective. Um, And for those of your listeners who are listening, um, there's ADHD coaches everywhere. Um, I can give you a website to look for um, at the end of the our time together. But ADHD coaching starts with, well, what problem do you want to work on? 
and we ask questions around it. Well, why is this a problem now? And we work with the client to start from where they are and build new beliefs and behaviors. Um, whereas, you know, therapy, and we do have therapists at the ADHD Center, they're more, well, how did you get here? <laughs> and let's unwind the mess that got you here. Um, and so they're two different activities. Most um, of the people that come to the ADHD Center need coaching. In other words, they need very pragmatic um, coaching to help them develop the tools they need to live in this so, modern world. All right, let's talk about that. You mentioned doctors and lawyers. Take a doctor's day or a lawyer's yeah. day, your choice, a day in the life of, and how would you coach them? Because those are very stressful professional jobs. And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking of um, a doctor I worked with, really good guy. In fact, so intelligent. Um, one of the benefits that comes with ADHD is the ability to think divergently. And what that means is, um, very quickly, it's seeing a whole constellation of ideas and quickly being able to connect them. Whereas convergent would be sequential and logical. One, two, three. Whereas the ADHD brain would see the whole, whole alphabet and numbers all together and make connections. So as a doctor, this guy is a great divergent thinker. As an internist, he's like, okay, so I think we might want to consider these paths. And he, he has a great relationship with his patient. Um, he's highly empathetic. And you know what's getting him in trouble? He's not charting, which is really bothersome for the practice because that's how they charge. And he's running behind. And most of us with ADHD have a lot of time blindness. And so here you have this incredible doctor, and I would trust him. I would trust him with my family. He's, he's good. He knows what he's doing. And yet these are the things. So let's pretend he shows up in my office. And he goes, well, here's what's happening. And a lot of times uh, what I'm first listening for uh, is, how is he emotionally motivating himself through the day? And in this case, he's emotionally motivating himself through self-loathing. And, and he was actually kind of getting to despair. And remember, this is a guy who worked through med school without any medication, um, who is only recently diagnosed with ADHD. And so he has had to work so hard, but he's failing at the dumb thing. And so I listen to what, how he's emotionally motivating himself. And so I start to expose that emotional motivation. Um, and then we start to talk about, and I listen for things like, um, oh, so, you know, when you're with a patient, it's not just time blindness. You're in the moment and you're listening to that patient's heart. And it feels rude for you to get up and go, okay, well, we're done here. Moving on. He's like, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not okay with it. The person just told me that she's here because of this, and and he he wanted to be with her in that moment. So so we start to problem solve together on on ways that he can get better at his job. And frankly, sometimes the environment doesn't fit. Um, in the case of a different doctor I worked with, 
Before you get to the different doctor, we only have a couple minutes left. We're going to have to. It's fascinating. And and the coaching, it's very interesting because as you're describing it, obviously, it's very different than therapy. I mean, it's very hands-on and very practical solutions as to the to the problem let's have people read the book your brain's not broken um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah strategies for navigating your emotions in life with adhd and we've been talking to dr tamara rosier and uh fascinating uh interview but also the book so just quickly give us websites and we can go to for more information about the book and about you yeah uh, more information about the book is an easy website, TamaraRozier.com. And there's information about the book um, and about me there. Um, if you're looking for an ADHD coach, um, you can go to ADHDcoaches.org. It's a nonprofit. And there's a find a, an ADHD coach. Um, and there are coaches across the, um, well, across the world. Um, who are really good at helping people with ADHD. Yeah. Well, thanks really so much for sharing that because I think sometimes people kind of go directly to a therapist when maybe the coach is the more appropriate way to go. So that's a lot of, of really great information. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Great talking to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 